Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the Psychology Report. Drug addiction. An addict in your home. The addict who happens to be your child, your adult child. How do you deal with that? How do you handle somebody in your family, usually your son or your daughter, who's now addicted to alcohol, marijuana, heroin, methamphetamine, uh, any of the drugs, cocaine. How do you deal, and, and the mixture of all those, how do you deal with a son or daughter that has a life driven by the need to have those drugs in their system at all times? Even to the point that they will lie, cheat, and steal, and maybe even kill, so that they have access to the drug. Now, this is the thing that tears the family apart. <coughs> Unfortunately, families are already pulled apart. Families are already uh, experiencing the fact that their adult child, daughter, son, has basically left the home. Left the home emotionally, left the home mentally, left the home in a spiritual sense, left the home even in a physical sense. And here you are as a parent, trying to deal with this. Now, obviously as a parent, you want your kid to get off of all the drugs. But once they are drug addicted, they will never get off these drugs. <coughs> They'll always have some form of drive or attraction or need to have these drugs available to them. And the only exception is if there is a concerted approach to bring about total behavior change, including a spiritual change in the life of the individual. Just to say, I'm going to stop using drugs does not work. Just to tell somebody to stop using drugs does not work. You're wasting your time. So, this is the dilemma. This is a problem for parents. And here's the deal. If you're a parent and you have an adult child who is now addicted to drugs and is now stealing your jewelry to sell on the street to get the drugs. And by the way, I know of a young man who has stolen the jewelry of his mother. Over a half a million dollars worth of jewelry and sold it on the street for several hundred dollars. That's what drug addiction is. The young kid who just slaps his father around and yells and screams at the father or the mother and or the grandparents, steals their car, steals their jewelry, steals from their safe, steals from their pocketbook, steals from their wallet, driven by the need to have something by which to buy a drug. They can buy it with money, but they can also buy it with items that they steal and trade in on the street to get their drugs. It's a tremendous market, and they're involved in it. So what is the answer? Well, you know, usually you turn to a treatment program and say, okay, I, my kid's in a treatment program, and I've heard of a family that the kid was in the, drug, in the treatment program 15 months, 15 months. 
and within a week after getting released, he was heavily on drugs and committed suicide by an overdose of the opiate drug. Now, drug addiction is treatable, but you know what the success rate is in most treatment programs? 10% to 25%. If you have a treatment program that claims to have a 30% or 35% rate of success, they're doing very well, and I would question that. So treatment programs are expensive, but low success probability. So, okay, so you say, okay, I'm not going to pay all that money. I'm going to have my kid go to AA or go to NA, Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholic Anonymous. Well, have them go for a year or two. What's the success rate? 10 to 15% is what the research shows. Sure, it didn't cost you anything, but that's what you got out of it. A success rate of at least 10%, maybe 15%. So that's not the answer. So you have somebody go to a psychologist and uh, get into a therapy program and get into a family therapy program and start working as a family with a therapist. Costly? To be sure. What's the success rate? Well, the research shows a success rate around 35 to 50%. A little bit better, isn't it? So you're getting a little bit more for your money. So none of them are very successful. None of these approaches are very highly successful. So often it's left by the parents themselves, or to the parents themselves, to do what they can do and what they can do best. And here's the thing that a parent can do if the child, the adult child, the adolescent child, is addicted to drugs. You can do all those things I just mentioned. And you want to try them? Go for it. But you can set up a boundary you can set up a boundary. And you got to set up a boundary that is seven feet thick in concrete. It's not changeable. It's not modifiable. It's a boundary that it has to be absolute. Dad and mother have to be agreeable. If they're divorced, they still have to be agreeable to setting up a boundary, and they both have to set up the boundary. But if mother won't set the boundary, and dad will, or other way around, it won't work as well, but at least one parent will be protected from the uh, nonsense of their addicted child, while the other one will be subject to all kinds of manipulation by that addicted, by addicted child. So what does a parent do? Sets a boundary. And a boundary might be simply as this. I am changing the locks to the house. Every window is being locked and secured. Alarm is being set on the, on the house. And it goes directly to the police department. And you are not welcome. You are not welcome. You are not allowed in this home until you can prove that you have been free of drugs for three months or six months or nine months, whatever you want to set as a date. But if you are on, on drugs, and if you are taking drugs, and you're actively involved in drugs, you are not welcome in this home. You can sleep on the street, you can sleep in the trees, but you're not welcome in this home. That's a boundary. And if a parent sets that boundary, they have to live by it, they have to honor it 
whatever the term is. So if you set a term, you've got to have a term you can live with and that you can enforce and that you can follow yourself as a parent. You know, but there's a lot of reasons why parents won't set boundaries. A lot of reasons. And uh, let me just give you a couple ideas here. Uh, so what I found in, with parents is I work with many of these parents and try to get them to set boundaries. And I'm always disappointed when a parent sets a boundary. And then after a week or two or a month or two, that boundary is, is violated. And that boundary is just thrown out the window. They didn't even care. But here's what kids will do to get you to lower your boundary or to take away your boundary. They'll threaten suicide. They'll say, okay, you kick me out of the house, I'm going to go commit suicide. You know what? Kids don't do that. Very rarely will a kid on that basis commit suicide. They'll say it, they'll threaten it, but it doesn't happen. Now, kids commit suicide, but not because you've set a boundary, okay? There are other reasons for which they commit suicide. Or they'll say something like this, okay, I'll never see you again. I'll never come by again. You're not my parents, I will disown you. And never will you be a parent to me. And never will you be in my life. And that just shatters the parent. Because now the parent lives with great fear that this child that they raised has turned their back on them. And it makes them feel like they're a bad parent. But you know what kids do? They show up. <laughs> they don't stay away. They don't cut you out of their life. They say that. But they don't do that. After a period of time, they show up. They'll call, they'll come around the house, they'll sneak around the house, they'll talk to people, they'll find out, they'll inquire, they'll keep trap, uh, track on you, they'll follow you. They will still be in your life whether you know it or not. And they will not turn their back on you and avoid you and eliminate you from their life. It just doesn't happen. Another fear that parents have when they want to set a boundary because they're afraid that their child is now going to be on the streets and will have to sleep on the street and be subject to prostitution, and be subject to panhandlers, and be subject to diseases of all kinds, and, uh, and so on. They're afraid of that. Well, you know what? Your kid has a disease and a disorder that's greater than that, even now. What, what more can happen to a child than be totally addicted to a drug? There is no other disease that can be greater than that, that you'll get off the street. Sleeping on the street is not a bad thing when you compare it to a day-upon-day day drug addiction. And obviously parents are afraid that their kid will turn to prostitution. They're afraid, you know, that their kid will uh, have somebody rob them or stab them or shoot them or challenge them in some way on the street. You know, some parents just take personal blame. They don't want to set a boundary because they're, they're, it's their fault. They think, well, it's bad genes. You know, my family has bad genes. We've had addictions in our family, and now we have one more, and it's my fault. So they won't set the boundary. Well, then they'll live with the uh, nonsense of their addicted child forever. A parent has to be strong and able to set a boundary and stick with it because that is one of the most effective treatment programs available is when a parent takes a stand, even have to take the phone off the hook, even have to take the answering machine away, even have to change the telephone number, change the locks of the house, put up a guard. There are things that sometimes you just have to do for the sake of your own safety and your own sanity, but unless there's a wall that cannot be penetrated, your child will be addicted to the drug for the rest of their life and will probably die as a result of the drug addiction. 
anyway. And now you're going to be guilty for not only uh, not setting up a boundary, but being responsible for your parent or your child being in a situation and being hurt, maimed, or killed as a result. You're going to take the blame for that. You have to live with that. It's a tough decision. It's a tough place to be. But you know, if you don't set a boundary, your kid will live a life of addiction, and now you're giving that kid a slow death. You're giving that kid a slow suicide process that he's going through. So you have to set it, and it works both ways. You know, it's, it keeps you from your child, and it keeps the child from you. But it's not so much the child that you're keeping away, it's the addiction that you're keeping away. It's the drug influence that you're keeping away. You can say to your child, he's welcome, or she's welcome, but the drug inside of him is not welcome. The drug addiction is not welcome. The kid is. So that's how you have to see this. You have to kind of realize that what you're kicking out, what you're setting up a barrier, what you're removing from your home and from your life is the drug that your kid brings along with him. It's like he brings a friend that you don't like. So why would you let your kid come into your home with a friend that you don't like and that's going to steal from you and is going to take everything you have and take advantage of you? And that friend that he has is called a drug. It's called marijuana. It's called an opiate. Painkiller. You know, it's called something like cocaine or heroin or methamphetamine or ecstasy or, you know, a lot of the drugs that are out there. Any, any of them. They're all the same. They're all the same. It's the drug that you don't want in your home. That's what you're setting the barrier. And when you think about the word addiction, let me just give you this little piece of information. Is, it, is your child addicted to the drug? No, your child is addicted to the absence of the drug in his body. He reacts to the absence of it. Once he has a drug in his body, he's happy and he's friendly and he's talkative and he's relaxed and able to go about his business and able to go about relationships and able to live in the community and be in your home and sleep and eat and do all the things because he got the drug in his body. But when he does not have the drug in his body, he doesn't have access to the drug, and he's now on a withdrawal, that's when he then starts to behave in a crazy way, in an abusive way, in a violent way, and in a vindictive way, and in a way that will take everything that you own away from you with no guilt and no shame. So addiction is obviously the searching for a drug, but it's at a time when the drug is not in his system, when it's lower the, to the level that now the body is calling out for it again. You know, you take a drug and after a period of number of hours, that drug wears off. So you got to have another access to a drug. And that's what addiction is. It's that search for a drug when the drug in the body has now lowered to a level that it's no longer effective. That's what addiction is all about. And you aren't going to change that by reasoning. You aren't going to change that by putting your arms around the kid and say, I hope you can make it. You will not change it by being nice. You'll not change it by giving money. You'll not change it by giving free meals. You'll not change it by putting food under the front porch or in bushes. You'll not change it 
by being as nice as possible to this kid and give him everything he wants. Give him cars and give him access to any bank account and money that you might have. You'll not change it. That drug addiction will get stronger and stronger and the kid will end up dead anyway. And then you're going to feel really badly. So what do you do? Well, you either put up with all the nonsense, you put, you put up with abuse, let the kid come and go, let him have his way, and you'll just spend nights and nights crying and just weeping and feeling very badly. And you'll be hurt. You'll be stolen from. You'll be abused. You'll be betrayed. And it's your kid doing it. And it's your kid getting his neighbor kids and his friend kids to come into your home when you're not home and breaking in and getting stuff out of your house. It's all orchestrated by the addiction, the need for the drug, at a time when the drug is no longer effective in the body because it's lower it's reached a lower level of effectiveness because it's worn off so here you are you're a parent this is your kid but it's not your kid anymore it's now the kid of the devil it's now the kid of the addiction who owns the kid the drug dealer the person that gives him the drugs the person that sells him the drugs the person that takes the drugs from him they own your child no longer do you and you have to realize that you have no, you are powerless over him or her, and you're powerless over his addiction or her addiction. But you're not powerless over yourself. When you set a boundary, you can keep that boundary. You can control that. When you lock the doors, that's taking charge. That's taking control. When you take your phone away and don't answer it and have no answering system, you're taking control. You're making, you're taking control of your own self and your own person your own privacy you're setting up a situation where there's no contact between the addict who happens to be your child and yourself you can control that and get on controlling it and you live a life that is free of the addicted nonsense behavior that otherwise is going to just plague you and be part of your home forever so it is not a pretty picture and it's not until we get tough. It's not until we use tough love. And sure you should have done it earlier in life. Sure you should have. But you're not there. you got to do it now where you are. Whatever you do today, you're trying to make a change for the future. You're not trying to make up for past losses or past mistakes. You're trying to now make a change for the future so that you get a kid back into your family. Get a kid back into your home. But you're going to have to go through the process. A boundary separation and let that child feel what it's like to not be part of family to not be bonded to family and to not have access to all the good things that family life brings about and then the kid may wake up and appreciate the need to change his life and change his addictions and change his behavior patterns and then you're on the road to success and that's when treatment may have a little better success it's with that population that the treatment programs are more successful. It's once the child realizes that they don't want the addiction lifestyle anymore. And it takes a long time for that to take place. A child has to be ready. Has to be ready. Not on your terms. It's on their terms. And you'll have to find out when they're ready to take the step of going into treatment. They'll tell you. But when you think it's ready, they aren't. And it won't work. So forget it. Anyway, this has been uh, 
Psychology Report. Thanks for joining me. And it's a tough one, but um, I wish you well. And if you know somebody who's got a family member who's addicted to drugs of any kind, have them listen to this particular podcast. Send it on to them. Forward it on to them. And if this is in your home, start working on this issue of setting boundaries. Talk about it between the two of you as parents, and then start setting the boundaries. And if you're a single parent, it's all up to you. But do it. Your life will be better, actually. Your life will be better. Your child's life will not be better. But it's worse anyway because they're addicted. They're addicted already. You already lost the child. Don't worry about losing the child. You already lost him. It's the question of can you ever get them back? And sometimes you get them back by going through some really tough times. And this is maybe you have to make it tough on the addict, not on yourself. Make it tough on the addict. Don't let the addict make it tough on you. That's the issue. Anyway, Books by Hedberg is my website, booksbyhedberg.com. And uh, get the book there, Doctor Teach Me to Parent. I have a couple chapters on drug addiction and drugs in the family. And drugs are not welcome in my home. So, a good place to start reading about it. Okay, bye for now.